0: Hello to everybody out there in radio slash podcast land episode 16 of the rub wrestling podcast with Matt Josh and Chris hope you're having a great weekend NFL season started I know we're not here to talk about football but it's one of my favorite times of the year it's almost like Christmas and on top of that we get closer and closer to Thanksgiving and Halloween which are two of my favorite holidays um with that being said if you need to reach out to us and want to talk about rumors which we're going to talk about a lot of rumors today um you could hit us up at the rub at outlook.com for any questions or anything that you want to talk about anything you want to bring up on the show and i mean anything we'll probably talk about within reason um but other than that if you do like our podcast or you know others that do basically hit us up we're on any place you can find a podcast we're on spotify we're on youtube we're on google play We're on iTunes. I say this every single week. And if you listen, it's on every single episode because, hey, we just want to get more followers, more subscribers, and get this pod out to a bunch of people because we like to think that we're relevant people in the wrestling community when it comes to talking about professional wrestling. Chris, is Halloween your favorite holiday or is Thanksgiving what you're looking forward to more in October coming up because of that delicious turkey, the delicious ham, the ooey-gooey mashed potatoes and the gravy? What are your thoughts What's your favorite uh, holiday in October?
1: It's really close between those two. I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to resist the trip to fan and everything because you know you get to eat a nice meal and you know you know you're gonna have a good night's sleep right after. But I'd say Halloween is one of my favorite holidays for sure. Um, it's not on the calendar, but it's on mine. Uh, yeah, so so I love it. Um, just a shout out today, I did. Uh, I saw some Project X wrestling at Valley East Days. Um, just before, so we have the chance to talk about it. There's these two kids named Sandor Malink and David Champion. They have matches with each other. They're just two kids, and they are phenomenal. So... Any any chance people get to see this, uh, they, they should check these two kids out. Yeah,
0: it's really funny. That's not the first time I've heard it, not just from you, about those uh, those uh, two little chaps from Sudbury that seem to be, like, ripping it up, like, doing rana's and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like that. So, yeah, if you do get a...
1: Yeah, and the one kid, the one kid, the heel, and they're... So, they, they play a face and a heel perfectly. Like, they were in a tag match today when I watched it, and, I mean, both those kids, the heel was playing the heel... And the heel kid's are Russian, they they portray him as a Russian kid. That's awesome. <laughs> great. Like, it's fantastic. And they played it out good. I fist bumped both of them after. So, yeah, it was good. So, check them out. Anybody who listens, if you haven't seen them, check it out. Yeah, That's awesome,
0: man. Uh, yeah, check them out for sure. Yeah, I've definitely seen uh, a couple highlights from the package, and they're definitely crazy. Um, Josh, I know, you know, not to get too much into your personal life, because I'm not, You know, I'm not, don't want to spoil it all for everybody on here. And, you know, I know that some people live like, you know, some enclosed personal lives. But I will say we've talked about you growing things in the past. And I know that you grow a lot of vegetables. And I know you, um, you know, you have a garden that's in the back. What are you cooking for Thanksgiving dinner? I know it's a little bit ahead, but. What are you taking out of your garden? Are you going to t- make a medley of carrots with butter? Or are you going to have some corn on the cob? Look, like, I don't know what you have anymore because there's so much shit growing back there. I have no clue. So tell me, what's on your Thanksgiving plateau when it comes up for six weeks and you invite me over for dinner?
2: Uh, um, well, I'll definitely probably I'll have a turkey for sure. Uh, I don't have any corn left. We've eaten all the corn that we got. Uh, but probably do some mashed potatoes, uh, some type of carrot. I'm sure I did plant turnip. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to grow. We'll see. I'll probably just make a bunch of different stuff and, uh, it should be good. I like, I love cooking, uh, for Thanksgiving. I actually prefer Thanksgiving to Halloween, but that's because I don't really get to trick or treat anymore and, uh, I don't really dress up, but, uh, I think when I was a kid, I liked Halloween better, but uh, now that I'm an adult, I like Thanksgiving better.
0: Yeah, nothing better than going trick-or-treating and then having that sleeping bag full of stuff, and then the next morning, you were kind of sneaking some of the candy out to bring to school. Yeah, it was was a good call back then. (laughs) Now the kids don't give a shit. They just have their iPhones, and they try to, like, I don't know, try to eat their phone or something if they see a video of, like, Kit Kat, right? So regardless we're not sponsored yeah,
1: i love just to jump in i i love trick-or-treating too like i trick-or-treated i think my last year i could drive
2: i was 20 i was 21 you. the last time i went I, think I,
1: I i i think i was with kent and greg or something and like we would drive to the neighborhoods that we heard were like good on candy and then there's a lot of places that said uh you guys you guys aren't aren't are too old to trick or treat." and you're just like Chris, but it I, was fun
2: I, I did it as a 21-year-old when I was doing volunteer work. I, I think I was the oldest of our group, and I did it in a dress. Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty funny thinking about it. Everybody's trying to scope out those neighborhoods that were giving out full chocolate bars, right? The the dentists and the doctors. Yeah. Yeah, good time. Anyways, as much as we love talking about our personal life, we can talk about it for an hour. we got to move on to some wrestling rumors and uh some storylines that we've kind of hear. so we got three stories from you from the wwe today we got three stories from aew today kind of like how we like to split it up and create an even podcast um But basically, we're going to start off with WWE first. And, um, you know, this week on Raw, we basically saw Gunter uh, basically surpass the honky talk man after his match with Chad Gable. That was apparently, you know, from what we saw and from what people were saying online, and everything was an absolutely stellar banger of a main event on Raw. Um, Gunter now finally crosses the threshold as the longest um, serving Intercontinental Champion uh, in WWE history. Um, which is, I think the honky, honky-tonk man had had it for far too long, especially the way that he lost it, which I think was in five seconds to the Ultimate Warrior, if I'm not mistaken. Chris, you're the historian, you might be able to tell me that, but it was pretty damn quick when he I lost uh, after his 300-something day. But, um, you know, Josh, you kind of look at Gunter's reign... Um, I don't know if Gable's the guy to beat him when you look at it, but when you're kind of looking at where do we go from here with Gunter, does he automatically assert himself into the world title picture on Raw, even though that he's kind of the leader of Imperium and there's some side storylines happening there? I think, Or do you even think that he holds on to that title and actually inserts himself into the world title picture right away?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that you have to get the title off of Gunther to make him a viable contender. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him have both titles, but it doesn't make sense to have him have two titles. So, you know, maybe that uh, you have some outside interference against a reputable person or you have some type of, you know, similar situation like with uh, Orange Cassidy and John Moxley where you have someone like a monster go up against him and just beat the shit out of him like an Omos, you know, where omos destroys him because he has some outside interference or something like that for the intercontinental title get it off of him i definitely see gunther as a as a main eventer and uh that he could be a world champion for sure i think that he's a future world champion uh his matches he he has some of the most hard-hitting matches and you know it seems like it's always telling a good story he's good on the mic he's intelligent he's got a good faction um. So yeah, I could see him as a world title holder. I think that you know he could potentially win the Rumble, and that's how you get the title on him as well. But like I think that his his reputation uh, as now the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion is is pretty solidified. It's I think it's crazy that it took that long for someone to beat the Honky Tonk Man's record, considering how many great champions there have been. Maybe this is just something that WWE is doing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we like it was a slice of slices my salami. Uh, one day, so you know, it's it's good. I think Gunther's it's I'm surprised that it was Gunther, um, but it, he's been he's been the best intercontinental champion that I've seen in forever, you know. So, yeah.
0: yeah, I think you look at the honky tonk man's run when he was there. And for those that haven't watched the honky tonk man, you should go back and look. Basically, played like an Elvis impersonator almost, had a manager, I think, which was Jimmy Hart, if I'm not mistaken. And <clears throat> the heat that the honky tonk man drew basically. Um, For those three hundred and some days, was crazy. Like, I mean, it it was a it was a a very uh, simple gimmick. It wasn't anything crazy, but basically, almost it felt like after that the Intercontinental Title went off Honky Tonk Man. It was almost the end, the last thing that we ever talked about him when it came through. It right. So um, we're not talking about the Honky Tonk Man lots, but it was just that the heat he drew out of that when you kind of watch some of those matches going back were were pretty nuts. Now, Chris. We've been hearing about, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes talking about the the main event match on Raw. And I know, like, we're talking about where Gunter goes, um, you know, uh, but apparently in the back after the match and after the banger they had, they had a standing ovation that was given to them in Gorilla. I mean, obviously we weren't there. This was coming from, I think, Cody Rhodes was talking about it on a podcast. Um, Now... Chad Gable's been somebody that when he started out in NXT, he was with Jason Jordan. Unfortunately, Jason Jordan had a really bad injury, but they separated them before that when they were, um, I think they were the Alpha Academy back then. Um, or uh, whatever it was. But basically, they were they were a solid tag team and uh, got brought up onto the roster. And seemed Chad kind of got lost. He had kind of that shorty G gimmick that was kind of a comedic <laughs> version, like uh, kind of a rap star, and then kind of found his feet with Otis a little bit and Still a comedic start. Now, everybody's talked about Chad Gable's technical ability and how good he is. Now, do you see that this kind of steps um, Gable up to that higher mid-end card with Alpha Academy? Or do you find that there's going to be a point where he's going to have to separate to be taken seriously to move into it? Or do you think he can stay where he is and, and really kind of allow his work come up? Because, let's face it, shoosh is a really big big uh, <laughs> big movement in the WWE. I know that's a, a long-winded question, but just what are your thoughts on Gable and him moving up to that higher upper echelon in the mid-card?
1: I'm all for it, for sure. Um, I like Chad Gable. Always, It's always a pleasure to watch him in the ring. It seems like he can do his uh, rollover rollover um, rollover uh, German suplex to just about anybody, no matter how big they are. So, that's, you know, just watching that alone and you pull for him. And every time you see that, um, he's been having good matches with Gunther. Uh, this is why I miss ECW sometimes, because I know in ECW, eventually, just the way the matches have been. We're talking about the standing ovation at Gorilla. Uh, you know, eventually that uh, Heyman would have would have put him over just like he did Mikey Whipwreck, who won the championship. Um, so that's why I miss ECW a lot some of these days, because. We see a nice build, we see a guy who's holding his own, but yeah, in reality, I don't think is going to choose him to go over. Uh, if they do, it's a big surprise to me, and I mean, I'd like to see it, but uh, i he's got to be up there once, once it's off Gunther, he's got to be up there to pretty much be one of the guys who's going to carry it next, I would think.
0: Yeah, you know what? It's, a, it's an interesting topic. I think we talked about you know amateur wrestlers and people that were in positions where they really wanted to learn the craft, and I think Gable was one of those guys that really learned the craft but really had to pay his dues in the bottom of the card. Like, really, he, he seems like he's a company guy. Um, he really puts his time out. He's gone with any gimmick. He's done what he's told, and it, it seems like he's kind of relishing those rewards after paying his dues, right?
1: Um, so. Well, he's uh, – sorry to cut you off, but – He's kind of like, uh, he's like Kurt Angle. Like those are two kind of amateur wrestling guys who really got the business as well. Like, yeah, just like, two very different they, they paths though, right?
0: Like one, Kurt was shot yeah. to superstardom right off the bat. In fact, in the first three months, I believe his first loss was when they were kind of doing the debut to Taz at the Royal Rumble, right? Um, and then basically went yeah. through and he won the title after I believe it was a year. Um, and you know, obviously, broke his freaking neck about four times in that company because I watched uh, his documentary on it the other day, which was pretty crazy. If you haven't watched it, is it good? Yeah, it's really good. Um, I think uh, for a lot of things, back to going with Gable, I think it's it's just you're right. It's it's somebody that's really put the time in, and he seems like it's he's paid his dues. And I don't know if he's going to get to the very very top, but he's definitely earned his his realm on having you know some really good merchandise, being where he is on the card. And and you know, and, and really earned his spot on that roster. And I think he could be a good locker room leader moving forward. I mean, comparisons coming out of him out of early NXT was comparison comparison to almost Shawn Michaels in a way. They said that he was like that good. Um in the ring and, and with his um uh, maybe not it was like a fine mix of technical ability, but also with some of the high flying stuff he can do. So um yeah, a little bit different. I don't I don't see that comparison all the way through now. I mean you're right, Chris, he's more of a Kurt Angle style, right? But <laughs> I think it's... uh.
1: Do you uh do you, do you think that this is, like, what he's doing right now might be the highest he's going to get?
0: I don't know if it's going to be the highest he's going to get, but you know what? I mean, uh, the question that I have is, and this might be for both of you as well, is, like, it takes two to tangle, and you dance with a lot of people when you're wrestling. It's a dance, right? Like, we've compared this to art and what it is over the top. But Gunter has had five-star matches, and I mean numerous five-star Meltzer-rated matches in not just like the WWE wherever he is. It doesn't even matter if he has zero five-star matches in the WWE. He has a bunch of five-star matches on the indies. And you know what? You watch the match with Dragonov that they had at WWE um, UK when the, Gunter had the title for 200 and almost a year in that company. And that was one of the best matches that promotion ever saw. Um, and so it, is it the quality of the dance partner or can gable dance like that with anybody and that's the question that i have and if he can dance like that with everybody then you got something there that's going to be on that upper mid card uh on the tv show maybe in the middle or it could be potential starters on ple's right um but yeah i don't know how many matches he's had for meltzer i don't know if josh is looking it up it looks like he's furrowing his brow maybe he is <laughs> i don't know but that's okay if for not Gun- we can- gunther
2: i mean he'd I definitely we saw the Dragon off match and that was a five star match. I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't look look up how many matches he had, but yeah, I think Chad Gable he could definitely be in that good mid card range. He's just too small to be a, to be yeah. a, a champion, but
0: yeah, and I think that that's the challenge, right? I think with him is when you're looking at that is that it's the size, Chris, too, that plays a factor. But he's he's definitely entertaining. I think when you look at it moving moving forward, right. Um, with that being said, move on to our next topic, which is uh, just basically we're going to talk about um, Jey Uso moving over to Monday Night Raw, um, basically last week, um, which was a move that was apparently um, created by Cody Rhodes. And what we're also hearing is that SmackDown will receive some compensation, like a real sport, for uh, for Jey Uso moving over and uh, going through, but that is yet to be determined on who that actually is yet. So, um, Chris, one of the rumors that have been coming out right now is we've been talking about potentially um, with SmackDown that the, that the compensation might actually be Cody Rhodes. Because we talked about the mover, maneuverability of that from the Royal Rumble and with everything going across. Do you think that Cody Rhodes is uh, the compensation deal to go to SmackDown for Jey Uso?
1: I do, and I think, I think it's kind of a clever move. I think it's decent writing where... You know, it's it's classic wrestling, back how it used to be. Like I am gonna find a way to trump the rules, and so like why would he be behind bringing Jey Uso in? So in unless he knows that he can offer himself as compensation to go over, and then he's back in the storyline. He's hunting the he's hunting the title from Roman now. So um, I like the move. I to me it's 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 classic writing, but it's classic writing done right. So. So I I'm interested to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I probably have to second that. I mean, I don't know too many people that you could move over. Like, I mean, uh it, they can essentially move anybody over, right? But I think when you look at it, I think it's um it's not more of who, but it's when. And um, you know, you know, the compensation could be different, but I think that is the leading the leading thing that would lead to solving a lot of problems for Cody to get his rematch with Roman Reigns. And I think that's really what the reality of this is, is to try and create some sort of long-term storyline, you know, six months plus to really set up, um, Cody taking the title off Reigns at WrestleMania. And, um, we, we don't know how long Roman has. Um, I would assume it would be at the rumble or WrestleMania would be a, probably the biggest show of the year. That's going to be the scenario, right? So, but, uh, he's probably going to be on shorter days than longer days. Now, Josh, there's another really intriguing part of this storyline from when basically Jay kind of came out last week and kind of announced himself that he was going to be on the show, which is, um, it looked like there was going to be a fight between him and Sami Zayn, and it didn't really end up happening, uh, they they were basically talking about people being oozy and stuff like that, I know that's a funny term, but, um, you know, I think that you kind of saw them kind of uh, hug it out or whatever at the end of that segment. Now, this is a, a longer term question for you. Do you think that this is going to start potentially the breakup of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to lead them into um, a WrestleMania match between those two? Because we've been waiting for that for a long time. <laughs> and it, it, it I don't know if it's they haven't really started or leaned toward it at any point yet, but do you think that that's going to be the outcome at WrestleMania, I think, is really to have uh, Zayn and Owens? Because I think that's going to be an absolute banger if it happens. Yeah, I don't
2: know. I mean, I'm hoping that the WWE surprises us. Like, I don't like it when we get everything right. So it's it's kind of good. I mean, even AEW, like, when they surprise us. So I'm not sure. I, I think that they haven't really planted the seed that they're going to break up yet, but I'm assuming that's kind of where they're going Alternatively, if Cody Rhodes isn't the person that gets traded, maybe Sami Zayn goes across and he can have a feud again with Roman and maybe that's how you get the title on Sami. That would be even more fun for for me because I'd love to see Sami win at WrestleMania and kind of get that spark back, but that's not going to happen. Let's not be delirious. It'll be Kevin <laughs> and Sami. Um, but uh, you, you never know. With J Jay, with Jay being back on Raw, it could be you know that could be the that's how they get that's how they get Kevin and Sammy to to feud where you know Sammy accepts Jay back and Kevin's like oh you can't trust him or Kevin goes crazy and Sammy's you know playing a a normal person you know all kind of opposite to what they were when Sammy was a crazy conspiracy theorist guy you know so I'm not sure it'll be interesting to see how they break them up but I'm sure they've broken them up several times they've feuded it historically so many times so I'm sure they've got lots of great ideas
0: yeah, you know what? But it, it works.
1: It, like it works
0: for sure. And I think uh, it, it's it's yeah. a, it's a telltale. What's the word? It's like a telltale part of the story, right? Like it's it's just bound to happen that they're going to fight. <laughs> and I think it's just the wrestling story and how they make money together has always been ingrained with with both of them together, right? It's it's just it's it's crazy. And um, you know, you um, you kind of look at the story too, and it, there's another part of this story as well that's kind of really weird as well is that. You know, a lot of people are saying Jimmy's been left to fend for himself on SmackDown and it's going to be sink or swim for him as a, as a performer, as a wrestler. And I I thought his first promo by himself, he looked really nervous. Um, not this week on Friday, but the week before that. Um, he felt very nervous when he was out there a little bit, but I don't think he was terrible. But he's also going against John Cena in the original promo. <laughs> and they put... so. I, I don't know if they just put him out there and it's just like, here, buddy, you're either going to swim with the sharks or you're going to get eaten alive. But John basically almost ate him alive. He basically said the wrong Uso left and then he kind of laughed and really knew what to do. And um, I don't know if that's done on purpose, but um, it, it's kind of interesting now. So one thing...
1: Well, Cena Cena ran down Roman and then Roman Roman turned it around and got great after that. Yeah. So... Maybe he's giving Jay the same treatment.
0: Yeah, and, and, and it Jimmy. could be. I mean, it's uh, it's just...
1: Or J- Jimmy, sorry. No,
0: you're right. Um, but it's a learning experience, right? And I think in a lot of cases, I think that's really what we're going to see. I think Jay's going to survive no matter what he does because he had that run without Jimmy where he was able to do the singles thing and he thrived. Jimmy hasn't had that. And I think that's, a, that's what makes it really hard is to see how he's going to be able to do it and what his character is going to evolve into if this truly is their breakup, right? um so time will tell but josh i like your theory there it's uh i like the uh the alternative thinking and the out there theories because it does make you think about some of the other ones that come up so chris i think josh is truly the fox Mulder of this podcast i don't know if you're trying to whistle but that. we didn't hear a thing that you saw oh. we see your video yeah yeah
2: <laughs> it's, okay. it's because your windscreen blocks your sound i'm sure
1: uh, yeah, probably. Sorry about
2: so that. Uh, I just hope that Jimmy doesn't become the Marty Janetti of, <laughs> of the Usos. Like I hope they both become Shawn
0: Michaels. Well, I think at the end, even if Jimmy becomes a Marty Janetti, we're going to have one hell of a dark side of the ring to talk about when it happens 15 years from now or whatever it is. Let's oh, just yeah. hope there's not yeah. like a liquor store hold-up or somebody getting killed or something, right? So. <laughs>
2: Just um, like the 12th DUI. Uh,
0: maybe. Well, I hope he's <laughs> I hope he's over that. That's not a fun thing to go through. But um, but something kind of happened on this podcast. What did we decide the third topic was? Because I totally didn't write them down and I forgot. So the professionalism here is on a...
1: LA, Ni- LA Knight's contract, I that think. That was
0: one of them. And then there was another one we we're going to talk about, right? It
1: was about CM Punk, potentially.
0: Ah, that's the other one. So I'll let you guys pick which one you want to do. Since we're here, do you want to talk about Punk again?
1: Can it be the last time? I think it yeah. should
0: be the last time at this point. Um, we've uh, It's like beating a dead horse. Okay, let's
1: get it over with okay. then. Okay,
0: yeah. so the other rumor that's been kind of going around, and I think what people are kind of saying, is because um, I think the fans out there are really promoting this WWE. I'm either pro-WWE or you're pro-AEW. It's picking your colors. It's picking... You know, your tribe, whatever it is that you're going to call it, um, you know, this uh, this us versus them mentality out there in the wrestling community, which is kind of, you know, stupid um, because wrestling is booming as an all time high, even in some of the other indies. Um, There's rumors about right now after what happened with CM Punk and AEW that um, there's potential of him going back to WWE. Okay, now. There's other rumors that are out there too. We've been hearing rumors of uh, potentially EC3 who just recently won the NWA title off Tyrus um, as Tyrus is retiring. Uh, basically that he might potentially would be great for NWA. They're kind of throwing these, these, these different promotions out. There was a, a really small one where it said that he might go to Japan. Now the question is, Josh, if he's going anywhere, is, is it WWE or bust for punk? And if, if WWE says no, does he just retire? And that's the end of his career or does he go somewhere else and just try to have it a go and try and salvage whatever's left of his career?
2: Uh, Wow. I I mean, I would think WWE would, I don't know, is he that much of a draw that you need him? I, I just, I don't see him going anywhere of uh, significance. I don't know why anybody would hire him. He's a cancer. Even if he draws you, you know, whatever it if he's gonna cost you like everything that you built every few months what's the point it's just it's just it's not worth investing in someone like that so i just hope he goes to hell or he figures his shit out and he becomes a better human being but otherwise like he's just he was really shitty and i don't care what his side of the story is because people who keep on getting in trouble Uh, they're always going to get in trouble. So until he starts working on himself as a human being, he should stay away from wrestling. Probably stay away from people in general.
0: Well, I think part of the sides of the story is what we hear from the media, right? And I think that's all we ever really hear, is that we hear stuff from the media. No matter what happens in any scenario that we talk about, we don't really know what's going on. Now... There's been a scenario where Punk also doesn't get along with um, a lot of the interviewers in the wrestling community, really does not. And there's a lot of people that I think that are out there that potentially spread rumors about what actually happened. Um, But he recently kind of uh, on another page that uh, we saw recently that was pretty credible on Facebook. I can't remember the name of it, but we'll try and get that credit in at some point. Um, They were talking about basically how Punk basically ended up at... um, Kind of the players' club for the wrestling community, which was the uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club, which is uh, has their own wrestling Hall of Fame and and people said Punk was really well received when he was there. Like and he was a gentleman. Nothing really happened. Um, he also was talking about the fact that he's been trying for a long time to really put away the stuff with the elite to try and do business and basically was closed off. And there's a lot of cases that Punk says, and I'm not I'm, I'm not sticking up for Punk when I say that, guys, because I see some eye rolling, <laughs> but. In some cases, when we go across, um, there's two sides to every story. He said that he's tried to reach out, and and they haven't want to talk. That was one scenario. And the other scenario is that he doesn't believe that he was the cause of what happened in that fight. Like, whatever he said might have been the lead-up. So, my question is, when we're kind of looking at this, Chris, you, you look at his career and everything that he's done in his career. Does Punk end up in a Hall of Fame? Does he end up in the WWE Hall of Fame? Does he end up in the like? Because I can see him in the Cauliflower Alley Hall of Fame because, like, I mean, they have people like Homicide and different people that were in there to be recognized for what they did in their capacity for wrestling. And I don't think we can deny what Punk has done. Does he end up in a Hall of Fame somewhere? And does he end up in the WWE Hall of Fame at the end of it?
1: I I mean, it seems like seems like everybody has a path to get back into the wwe hall of fame um i don't know it's it's punk he won't like he's not going to right now um i don't know the way the way it's all gone down it's it's hard to say it's it's hard to say like nobody's really done it's not really gone this way for anybody else so it's like well they let hulk hogan back they let they let uh, Jeff Jarrett back multiple times, even after he held them up for money. He wouldn't relinquish the. He's out of a contract. Wouldn't relinquish the, uh, the uh, intercontinental title, and then charge him like three hundred, three hundred thousand for his one appearance, and then hightail it to WCW right after. Yeah.
0: Um, it was Ultimate Warrior too.
1: Yeah. I I don't remember. I just I just remember the story. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I have to agree with Josh. I don't think I don't think uh, it's worth the juice is worth the squeeze with Punk anymore. I don't see him going. I don't see him going to WWE, especially if he didn't even last a year with AEW. I think they're smarter than than having to having to want to go that route and deal with that. Um, yeah, I just I I hope this is the last we have to kind of talk of it, and I hope he just I agree with Josh. I hope he stays out of wrestling until he can do business with. With anybody, because it's wrestling, and you're going to have to do business with everybody that you're working with. So,
0: Josh, you want to add anything there?
2: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I actually heard a third scenario about Punk and the Elite was that the Elite weren't unwilling to talk with Punk; they just wanted to have Punk go through a six month period without any incidents before they agreed to speak with him, and he just never had that in that that period, right? Since All Out. Since the fight, every ever since he's been back, there's been nothing but turmoil and controversy. So they're just like, why would we, why would we interact with this person who's not trying to change? If he's actually looking to, to mend fences, then he should be more open to mending fences with everybody, not just you know,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, it's not a bad thing to do either. Like that's I, I, that's not an unreasonable request.
0: No, for sure, and I, I definitely think it's something that you know it's. Um, I think I think what's going to end up happening is either Punk's going to do what he did before and he's just going to close up and he's going to rest on his ego and his and his and his morals and saying that he was right in the situation or he's going to do whatever it takes to try and make amends at some point. It doesn't mean that he's going to get back in in a wrestling capacity, but kind of like what Josh said, like it's like it's just trying to be a better human being. And I think you know I I. Re- I don't want to believe every single thing that we've heard. We've we've we kind of can piece some of the stuff together from what we've heard from multiple accounts where they say the same thing. But I think at the end of the day, there's something going on here. And I think at the end of the day, you know, if he becomes a better human being out of it and, you know, makes his amends, like then maybe maybe somebody will let him back in later on. Right. But um, it's it's not going to be anytime soon. So what I do propose right now, we talked about this. What we are going to do is that starting with episode 16, as of right now, we are not going to talk about any CM Punk rumors unless they become factual. Mm. That's it. The bottom line, the line has been drawn. Do we all agree?
2: I agree. I agree. How long do you think his uh, no-compete clause is?
0: I don't think you. I, I don't even think you would have one. I haven't heard anything in the AEW contracts about having non-competes. Um, but you never, you never know, right? I mean, that's um, somebody leaked out the, the non-compete in WWE, but I haven't heard anybody leak a non-compete in uh, AEW.
1: I'm sure he's got one. It's usually ninety days. Yeah, and if they do, I heard they it could be as long him. as a year.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to get yeah. if, if you're going to have a no compete I think you have to pay him at that point if that's a scenario for a non-compete.
2: Oh he's definitely going to get paid oh, yeah. I'm sure that there's this part of his contract.
0: so yeah, Anyways. rather pretty interesting when you're going through it to see, it, but as of right now this is uh, we're not going to beat the dead horse anymore we're done that's it um, the podcast isn't over, but talking about CM Punk unless it is fact and we see it, we're not going to talk about it now. With that being said, away from WWE, we're going to move on to uh, some couple storylines with AEW and a couple of rumors that we've kind of been going through there. Um, first one being, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the semifinals on Collision for the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Basically, happened on the weekend. Uh, we had Samoa Joe go over, and we had Roderick Strong go over in an absolute beating of Darby Allen, which was kind of crazy. Um, So we got Joe, we got Roddy in the finals, and we got the winner getting ready to face MJF. So now we got a storyline right now that we've been talking about that's kind of been coming up. um, That's been a little bit kind of, you know, freakish in the sense that we got Joe that basically MJF wants to fight Joe. We got Roddy that's trying to, and I quote, get his best friend back. And so, but we don't really know where this is going to go. So, Josh, what are you leaning towards on a prediction of a win here? Do you think it is going to go with Roddy because it's a stronger storyline? Or do you think you go with Joe because it's going to be the stronger match, in my question?
2: Yeah, so I think it's actually... I think Joe's going to win the tournament. Roderick Strong's going to have a reason to start feuding with Adam Cole. So, like, Adam... Something will happen in his match with Joe where Adam interferes or something with Adam happens, and then he can have that good feud with Adam. So, it gets... Cole away from the belts and then Joe can have that match with MJF. Do I think Joe beats MJF? Probably not. Um, but you never know. I think isn't MJF's contract coming up soon? So if he says what, if, if what he says is true, then he's a free agent at the end of this year. Right. So, um, the belt's going to come off of him eventually. I don't know if Joe, Joe's the guy that does it. It's definitely not Roderick strong for sure. But yeah. I think that, uh, Joe wins. Roderick Strong has a feud with Adam Cole.
0: And is that what Chris is? Chris has given the thumbs up. I mean, that's going to make my next question real stupid if I have to ask it again. But now we're going to have to change it up a little bit. So when we kind of look at this, this feud, I think, Chris, you're stating at this point that you agree with what Josh said, correct?
1: Yeah, I do agree, but I do, I do have a couple, like a couple things to add, to sure. It, that, like, it, like on my thoughts to it. I just sorry I, if you had a question, I don't want to take no, the question. No, I, out I of was it.
0: just gonna say at the end of it. I mean, if um, yeah, it, it's 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 I I, I I actually agree with Josh says here too, and I think if you're looking through it, I mean, I think one of the throwbacks away from this match is that Samoa Joe is also working double duty. He also has the the TV title for ROH as well, which plays a factor. Um, I think Joe's getting up there and maybe he's in a scenario where he doesn't want to be a world title guy anymore. I totally get that. But Roddy's really come on as of late. And I thought his match against Darby was really good. And I find that anytime that he stepped into an AEW ring, even all in at Wembley, I felt that his character was believable. Um, he did a great job with anything that he stepped in with. And I, I, I've always thought that Roderick Strong was underrated. He was just never that TV guy. He's a little bit bland, right? So even in undisputed era when he was coming in, he's that bland guy. Every it's 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 Cole and O'Reilly that have a lot of the you know charisma and, and basically Bobby Fish and Roderick don't. So um, what are your thoughts on what do you have to add to that match? I think you're going to agree with Josh, but what do you have to add that you think is um, going to really bring value to um, that match with MJF in the world title picture or with the with the feud with Cole? I, if I think- feuds with Cole.
1: Yeah, I, I think it would be cool, and it's a way you can kind of bring all four of those characters into kind of a long-term storyline, um, and then maybe lead to uh, it. Might this might be way out of left field, but maybe lead to Cole and MJF at the end of what I'm talking about. But what if so? Roddy, Roddy and Joe are going to fight in the semifinals. Joe wins. Joe fights MJF. Roddy goes to uh, Cole. But what if and uh, what if What if Joe and Roddy get together and then they also feud for the tag team champions for ROH at the same time? Plus you have those two in the the main event title pictures that you could have three guys in. I just think it'd be a neat story to see all that put into one and see how it works out.
0: Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's intriguing, right? And that's the thing. And I, I really find it funny with the uh, with the with the Joe Shove and MJF when he was security. I think that was really interesting. And you know, you're looking at a lot of this, and it, it's um, yeah, it kind of almost speaks for itself. But um, I think the matches that are going to be pr- put on by this are going to be high quality matches. Do I think they're going to be five star Meltzer rating? I, maybe 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 not. Um, I think they'd be high four four and a halves on that spectrum for when they're going across, right? Um, so I think for that, that main event title picture that we have in AEW, I think it's going to be really interesting for what happens upcoming because you have Cole that still wants the title. Now you have MJF, you have Roddy, and then you also have a bunch of people that are trying to line up uh, behind those guys to really go at MJF and really get in that top spot, right? So it's something that'll be really interesting. Moving forward to try and figure out, so um, it'll really tell at Grand Slam. Grand Slam is one of my favorite events. I usually find that it's uh, just a really cool show altogether. I mean, just to have it at Arthur Ashe is an interesting place too, right? So, in New York, and uh, that's a, that's a that's a madhouse of an evening when you're when you're doing that. So it'll be cool to see what's going on. Um. Next, what we'll talk about is we're going to talk about Dynamite. We're going to talk about one of the highest rated segments that we've seen on the show, which was if anybody saw the promo with, uh, you know, basically with Swerve Strickland and with uh, Hangman on Adam Page, basically Swerve called out Hangman Page questioning his um, him wanting to be there, wanting to be in the top spot and saying that he's taken all the time away from guys like him. Um, basically stated that he'd be the first Black AEW champion uh, on the men's side um, if if Hangman Page wasn't stealing all the thunder from everybody and he actually gave a shit. So I think in a lot of cases, promo was really well done by Swerve. Actually got the highest rating for the demographic on any wrestling show the the week before. Um, was the highest uh, was the highest rated segment on Dynamite. Um, so when we're talking about that, um, Chris, I know you were out doing some, uh, some Valley East days, like you said today. Josh and I were up at, 10, at like 8, 9, 10 o'clock having a conversation about wrestling a little bit. Um, jo- nice. Josh, I know that Swerve isn't your, uh, your 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 main ticket, and when you're going through it, um, for what we talked about, um, my question to you is, um, what are your thoughts on Swerve? With Swerve, a lot of people either really like him or they really hate him. Um, let's, let's talk about that and then we'll uh, get Chris to see what he thinks about it as he casually removes his broken door in the background.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I, I really like Swerve's in-ring ability. I guess I just don't get his character. Maybe that's just me. Um, I know that he's a heel and he does the Who's House, Swerve's House, but like every time I've ever heard Who's House, Swerve's House, it's never like the loudest pop that happens, you know, like Dominic gets booed harder than ever, any everybody. And if like half the audience is saying Swerve's house and it's not super loud, I just, I don't know. Maybe the, the the Prince Nana who he's paired with kind of doesn't make sense. It's kind of like when he was in NXT and he was with hit row and like the secondary characters just weren't very strong. It wasn't a very good faction. And that's kind of how I feel about the faction he's in right now. Like Brian cage, he's massive I just kind of like, it's kind of like he has the ricochet effect where it's like you should be better than you are, but you're not. And so Swerve's in-ring ability is great. I just don't get his character and what he's trying to be. And even when we talked about it today, Matt, when you explained it to me, I was like, that makes even less sense. I'm like, I kind of wish you didn't tell me because now I'm even more confused to see what like Swerve Strick- <laughs> Strickland is. And so I guess... I mean, he'd be a fine champion because he's great in the ring. Like, again, I'm not going to say anything about his in-ring ability. I just don't really understand anything else.
0: So, Chris, while you're casually removing your broken door in the background, which we were discussing, um, when you look at this kind of – we talked about Swerve a little bit. Um, I think it was a week or two ago. And we are talking about um, basically where we see him going in the future. I, I know where I think I see him going. But it's kind of this love-hate relationship where some people think he's going to go really far. Um, people have been talking about it for years. When he was on the indie, at one point he was the highest draw for an indie an indie star before he went to WWE, and he was in NXT's um, Isaiah Scott. Um, will still swerve Scott, but, you know, I was telling Josh, I don't think there would ever be a WWE World Heavyweight Champion named Isaiah Scott. That's personally what I believe, and I thought he was set up to fail when he was over there because everything was produced. Now, he comes in AEW, he's put on some really good, his in-ring work is fantastic. Um, he's put on some really good matches. You you mentioned a couple weeks ago he plays like this evil empire, like evil character. I almost feel like he's like an anime villain is the way I would probably put it in a way. Um, Josh was saying that the ability of having Prince Nana as a manager and having a kind of a weak supporting cast with Cage um, and basically uh, the the tag team that they're with that basically don't really win anything in the in the poor showing they basically had in the uh, the kind of that uh, that that Royal Rumble they had it all out without winning it after they called their shot. Where do you see Swerve going from here? Do you see Swerve being? Um, the the leader of this group and really has a shot at a main event status or do you think that he's going to stick around in the mid card and potentially be um, an international or a um, uh, a TNT champion and that, I
2: think Chris fell off and that
0: dead silence means that they turn off so oh, oh we just heard a beep on the discord I think he's coming back See, this is why we're, this is why sometimes Josh I think at the end of the day why we're having some of our uh our problems with the uh with the with the editing, but that's okay. I'm actually having fun. This is one of my favorite podcasts we've done so far. What do you think? We can
2: uh <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, and I can comment uh in case Chris doesn't come back. Oh, there's Chris. It's, it's it's never mind. Uh yeah.
0: Chris, what happened, sir? You can't hear a word you're saying. No, you're on mute, yeah, you yeah. my sir. That's okay. Um, so, Josh, I'll ask you this question. If oh, I yeah, can hear you oh, now. Yeah, there you go. So, Chris, I don't know where we left off, but uh, basically, you went on a whole a whole spiel about, um, sh- sh- you know, basically Swerve Strickland. <laughs> so, my question would be, really quickly, do you think that he has main event capability um, with this promo and him being able to show on that demographic that he was the highest rated segment, um, and you think that his supporting cast basically weakens him, and that he'll have to separate himself away from those guys to really get propelled into that main event status.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I had to reset my voice meter thing, so some of my audio might be a little bit weird, but it, it kept the same track, so we might be okay. Cool. Um, I like Swerve's. Yeah i I like his I like his song. I like the who, Who's House, Swerve's House. I don't I don't mind it. It's pretty cool. Like right at the start when he comes in. Um i think the group helps him because he's the big like he's the biggest name in the group so so i do think it helps him with the the kind of you know i'm the best i'm the best at the worst stable like it puts him at the top of something for right now um yeah to to me his character i i think of him kind of like if you look at marvel like like kingpin but not overweight blah 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 um but uh yeah, I see him in that kind of role right now. So kind of like a comic book villain, similar to what Matt said. Um I think Prince Nana and we've all seen Prince Nana live, which is cool. Uh I think he uh I think he adds to it, like his dance at the start. I I mean that I like it. Does does it for me. Um and I mean he's around and he's been around a while. He knows how to he knows how to propel somebody, so Oh so, yeah, uh, I think I think he'll stay in the group and then maybe eventually break off. But I think right now being in that group is the best thing for him.
0: Yeah, I think one of the reasons that I kind of go through and we kind of when Josh and I were kind of going about this and talking about it. And uh, Josh, will try and uh, keep it for the show next time because we know how it gets. It can get a little bit awkward trying to put everything that we talked for 30 minutes into like a two minute spiel. <laughs> but I think when we look at it, I think like I think I, I see big things for him. And um, I think when you look at, you know, the everything that he sets up, I don't necessarily know if it's going to be with that group. I think the best work that he did was with AR Fox. And when he said something in his promo on Dynamite that I really enjoyed and he said, I have really no empathy for human life. And I think, like, if you're going to say something like that, you got to prove it, right? So the beatdown on Nick Wayne and the beatdown where they left him bloody, I think, like, if you kind of show him as kind of like this this person that basically will go to any ends to win a match, and he's shown that in his in-ring work with his use of the steps, his use of weapons, his use of stuff that it is, and he's not using that all the time. But, um, you know, he has no disregard for his body as well. Like, he does a lot of work, and I'd say he's pretty safe. But when you look at that, he's got to be that killer, right? Like, so the question is, you know, how do you book him against Paige? That's the biggest question. You have basically one of the clean-cut stars of AEW going against this guy who has to now promote that he has no empathy for human life. If, if there is anything that's going to get swerved over as a big heel, it's going to be this. And it has to be, because if it doesn't work, then there's something wrong, because Hangman's probably, arguably, the biggest face in the company. Arguably. Um, and, and Swerve's really going to put something on here. And I think that if they could really have something that really goes, um, I'm not saying that it has to be a six month thing, but if you could do a really good window of a promo here and it opens them up to some bigger stars and really to, to kind of go out and really showcase what he's going to do. I think he has, he has the potential of, you know, maybe being an AEW world champion and potentially being a face of a company. And that's something that I don't think I could have said about him in WWE or when he was on the Indies. I think his his work over the last six to nine months has really proved that he can step into that role as a leader and step in. But, you know, when we're talking with Josh today, it's like, look what happened to Hit Row once he left, right? Basically, Swerve left Hit Row. Hit Row just basically took a massive shit. And then that was pretty much it. They were done, right? And it's like, but when Swerve was there, he has this face that you want to punch just like anything else. So... Be interesting to see what uh, what the future holds for that, but I'm really interested to see how this feud's gonna line up in the future and I think we will talk about it on the podcast at some point later on, because I think it's gonna be a banger.
2: I'm surprised that you actually think that Adam Page is still the number one babyface. It's, I think he's I, not the number one babyface anymore.
0: I think when you're looking at the reception, when we talk about how... You talked about over last week is the reception that you get. And the reception that he gets when his music plays is louder than the Bucks. It's louder than other people that are coming through. It, it's one of the loudest that are there. Um, at All Out, it was one of the biggest crowd reactions when he won and when his music played, Like that was the biggest thing. So I think one of the scenarios is is that i said arguably and i think like i don't think you could just have one of the top baby faces over i think right now if you're looking at the baby face that's over probably the most it's probably going to lean towards mgf and cole being together right like that's what i would say like who, who would you say
2: I, I like orange cassidy's probably the number one baby face or like adam cole with mgf right now but they're kind of like, you know, MJ, everybody knows MJF's more of a tweener, if anything. But, uh, yeah, I would say that, like, just the way that they've booked Adam Page, like, he wasn't on the main event in, was he on the main event in All In?
0: He was in the, uh, he was, was in the sixth. Did he
2: win the Rumble on All In?
0: No, he won yeah. the Rumble at All yeah. Out. or All.
2: Yeah, so he was on the pre-show for the All In. So, I mean, that's fine. So, he, he's just not, like, when you think, like, the elite, are b- being booked in the main events or like, they're being booked on the, like the main card and he's not. So it's just, I just think that he's kind of fallen behind a little bit. He's still a baby face for sure. I just think that like uh, orange Cassidy was definitely probably the number one baby face for the last few months because he had that huge run and he was fighting either the opening match, you know, pretty much every night. So, but I think anyways, argu- but that's just, I think, not-
0: I think arguably when you look at Paige's career though, in AEW, other than the first year and a half, that's what he's been doing all the way through. So basically it's been, he's kind of been in and out, in and out, in and out. He comes back in, but one of the biggest, one of the biggest moments I think in AW history and people, I'm sure people aren't going to agree with me. One of the biggest moments that I remember was when they had that big 10 man tag with the dark order and the elite where the elite came out to space jam. And then basically he came out and he looked like the leader of the dark order and everybody went fucking nuts And that's kind of the power that Paige has. He's not going to be that guy that's going to be in the limelight every single time, right? Like he's not. And Cassidy for sure is on every single show and I can totally agree that why anybody would see him as the top face of the company because he's always there. MJF and Cole are almost every week, but Paige isn't. But I think the Paige moments where he was really getting the reactions were really, really strong. Chris, go ahead.
1: Uh, I I think one thing Paige really has going for him is that he misses time, so he comes back. He has he has a debut, but it it seems like he has a hard time keeping that momentum going through the long term. So part of what I think he has going for him, which is an unfortunate thing because of injuries or whatever, is that uh, he he does miss time and he makes us miss him, and then he comes back and and for a while it is you know it is it's huge, but uh, yeah I don't, yeah I definitely wouldn't put him as top baby face. he's he is a baby face like for sure uh but i don't know i just uh i just don't think he can sustain it once he once he returns every time
0: that's i'm so glad i threw in the arguably <laughs> <laughs> but it's a but it's a good thing right i mean yeah i i'd say yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying either. But yeah, Paige had a kid, and then had that uh, had one of the injuries that was really bad, right? And then obviously had the dis- part of the disciplinary action with the Punk incident was another one too, right? So he was kind of thrown in, and they kind of didn't really add him in. So, um, I think other than that, we'll kind of bring us to some big news that we heard on Collision, which is um, we talk about Brian Danielson a little bit, and uh, with Brian Danielson, we're hearing that. Um, potentially due to a promise that he made to his daughter by her seventh birthday, that basically he's going to probably, you know, not wrestle full time anymore once she hits seven. So, um, that time is coming away probably closer than we think, probably about a year away. Uh, but big announcement on Kalamitan when he talked about that. He said, if if I'm going to go out in a year's time, we're going to have the the most epic year, and I'm going to call my shots. And uh, the big call-out is for the uh, the Antonio Inoki tribute show, which is uh, Wrestle Dream, which will be happening. I don't know the date. October in Seattle, um, which is, I believe, it's Daniel Bryan's hometown, if I'm not mistaken. He's uh, from there in that area, Washington. I know that for sure. They've announced basically... Now I'm going to say it again, Chris and Josh, arguably the two best technical wrestlers on planet motherfucking Earth. We're going to have Brian Danielson wrestle Zach Saber Jr. on that card, and I don't know, Chris, on a on a on from one to fifty, how excited are you for this match?
1: Oh, fifty! Yeah, I'm a fifty excited for it. I'm I'm happy for it. Um, I like Zach Saber Jr. I like Brian. It's just it's going to be great. It's going to be. Gonna be fun for anybody who likes pro wrestling like especially like more of the mat and the technical side of it it should it'll it'll definitely like froth froth their loins for sure um the other thing I, i i'm not opposed at all if this is dan if it's his last year uh i'm i'm perfectly fine with him calling his shots and we do there's like a farewell tour all through the year and he's just wrestling these big guys out of any 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 promotion bringing them into i w i'm i'm all for that it could be a lot of fun and i mean it's time for him i think it's a good choice he's been hurt he's been out of the sport he doesn't need to get any more hurt like uh i I think uh this agreement he has if this is his last year i'm happy for and i'm glad he's going out now and not sticking around for another 10 years
0: yeah, you know, I think I think what you said there is kind of interesting. The, the called shots, right? It'd be really interesting to see where he's gonna, who he's gonna fight, who he's gonna try to wrestle, what shows he's gonna pick, what it's gonna be. Does it have a world title run left in him that maybe has a shot at it? Um, is there something there that can really go through? Maybe it's a world title shot. Maybe it's a shot in New Japan. There's so many things that can come out from this topic that it's really, really, like, great. Like, Josh, we saw Zack Sabre Jr. live. We can discuss that it's going to be a big match. What I'm kind of more interested in is um, two things here. Like, who do you think that would be some great matches that he could call out? And do you think think at any point there could be a scenario where AEW actually lets him go and maybe have one more match in WWE just on a farewell tour? (laughs) You think that's even a possibility?
2: I mean, I think anything's a possibility. I'm not sure. I don't think that will happen. I mean, maybe he does. You know, finishes his contract and he does one final match with WWE, and he signs like a one one match deal. That could work. He could do that at the end of it. Um, I don't to see to think who he would have matches with. I mean, who hasn't he had a match with in AEW that would be worth having a match with? Maybe could See him going again with John Moxley, having like a farewell match with him. Um, it could be
1: Ed-
2: yeah, Will Osprey, uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, I-, I mean, there's a bevy of people. I wouldn't, so why wouldn't you want to fight Chris Jericho one more time, even though that wouldn't be the necessarily like greatest match? But I think that would be, you know, if you're gonna have a farewell tour, why not get one of the goats in there? Um, And I don't know, he'd probably give the rub to a bunch of young wrestlers, so he might just have like a Wheeler Yuta, you know, like be like, fuck it, I want to fight Wheeler Wheeler Yuta, give him the rub, because Wheeler is, you know, it seems like he's a protege of that group, and so maybe he does something like that, I don't know, there's a lot of matches that Dan is going to have, plus all the NJPW guys, like maybe he has another Okada match, I'm not sure.
0: I think I I would probably have to agree with Chris. I think he'd probably be leaning towards Osprey at that point. Right. I think that's probably the smartest decision to make. Um, you know, I, I can't see him fighting Tanahashi unless it's a personal thing that he wants to fight Tanahashi. I would really love to see Danielson and Naito. I think that would be really good. Like, and I think Naito's coming to the end of his career too. And I think he's got a very small window to really have some of those big matches. Um, you know, it would be awesome to see him in the G1 Climax at some point, but I don't think AEW will let that happen. It would be it would be awesome just to see him in something that really kind of gets him towards something big, and I'm not saying outside of AEW, but I'm saying, like, Japan is the one place where he'd probably really want to go. And I think, like, when we look at this question, guys, I mean, I think it's an easy answer, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, Chris, I'll start with you. Is Daniel O'Brien a surefire Hall of Famer?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, unanimous, unanimous, unanimous first ballot.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of a lot of stuff here. Like when you when you're kind of going through, and he's had such an amazing career um, that I think, and and to have that second chance to really come back out after, you know, the WWE to, uh, talked about his neck and talked about things like that, and kind of it's kind of the same thing with Edge. We we're kind of talking about that earlier um, off the air and. You know, and uh, kind of getting the second chance to come back out, and I think it's it's really important to see. So I mean, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a hell of a match. It's going to be entertaining. I think that card's going to be an absolute banger, especially if you get a lot of NJPW stars on there. It'll be kind of like another version of Forbidden Door, but um, um, I think the tribute show for Inoki is uh, is is such a big thing because he was such so, so instrumental on on how. Um, he was able to bring um, North America North and wrestlers to uh, Japan, Korea. Like, part of that thing with WCW with that big show in Korea was part of Antonio Anoki, right? Um, so there's a lot of things there that really kind of merge the world of both those things and, and kind of have that production value in the States um, and that roughhouse along with that strong style that, that Japan was really well known for. Um, I have one more small thing to talk about as a side note. I know we're closing it out. Um... Josh, I uh, think you saw. Basically, we were talking about uh, you know Miro the other day on the on uh, the past podcast, and we we saw the promo for C J Perry that was basically done as a, a vignette. And I personally thought that that was one of the best vignettes I think I've seen a female performer give in the last like probably two years. Um, what were your thoughts on that vignette? Do you think that that was top draw and that this is really going to add to Miro's storyline moving forward over the next few months?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that it's good. Uh, it's kind of, you know, they're not really giving us enough to see where it's going. So I think that's good. It's, it's really going to keep us intrigued. And hopefully Miro has, like, you know, a good storyline here where this gets him in some, you know, solid matches. And uh, that, you know, he's good. It's, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I I haven't seen them together before. So this is the first time that I've seen them together. I know that they're married, but I didn't really see him in uh, WWE because I wasn't watching at the time so I am excited to see what happens with this I think it it gives him some more TV time and now with CM Punk on you have that opportunity to use reputable names and push Collision even further so he could be the star of Collision now too right so
0: yeah it's another option as well Chris did you end up seeing the promo (coughs) I
1: didn't see the promo but I'll, I'll check it out
0: you should go back and check it out because um, one of the things that will be very intriguing to you is because we know how buried she got in the WWE and they tried to put her as a wrestler and she failed. But it really showed her strength as a manager. And um, she's not talking in a Russian accent anymore. She does, She's not like that <laughs> woman that played by What's-Her-Face in Rocky Rocky 1V, in Rocky 4, basically where they the, the woman that followed even Drago around or his, I don't know if it was his <laughs> mother or whoever it was, whatever. Anyways, long story or even Drago's wife, um, but basically that's who she played in WWE. But um, it, I'm not kidding. Like if you watch vignettes, that was one of the best vignettes I've seen from a, a female performer in about two years. So it's, I'll check it out. It's really and
1: uh, I, I think uh, with I, I love redeem. I, I love the Redeemer character. I think it fits. I like the I like his promos, his vignettes. I think it fits him perfectly. So like seeing him brush her away saying like you're not re-. what did he say you're not real he or I you're, casted he said, you away. Yeah, or yeah he said
0: he said yeah you're not real or this isn't real you're not if this isn't real you're not real is what he said
1: yeah that's kind of uh you know that that's kind of a believable thing that a, a religious nut would have to go through so like it, <laughs> it kind of well it, it it kind of fits the story so i'm interested to see how it goes
0: so, Josh, I don't know if you got to slice your salami, but are you uh, what the what the uh, what the fuck slices your salami this week, good sir? Are
1: you are sl- are you, you slicy this week?
2: Oh yeah, I'm always slicy. I've got uh, several weeks worth of slices. Of my salami is ready. Um, okay, so because it's been happening in AEW more and more, it doesn't happen in WWE. I don't think, but. You know what really slices my salami is this kayfabe medical attention in the middle of matches. I know we've talked about this before. I mean, matches have John Moxley stomps in them. Why would you stop them for an injury? That's kind of the point. If the guy's that injured, <laughs> the match should just be over. It doesn't make any damn sense. It's stupid. Stop doing it. Call. Stop calling Doc Samson in. It doesn't make any damn sense. This is wrestling. We know it's kind of fake, but if they're really hurt, throw up the X, and call the match. Anyways, that bullshit kayfabe uh, medical attention really slices my salami.
0: I know we're going overtime a little bit when we say this, but if anybody watched the Von Wagner and uh, Braun Breaker uh, thing on NXT, match on NXT in the main event, I think it was, I want to say it was last week. I didn't watch it, but they actually did something really unique where basically there was a, 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 a spot where Braun Breaker basically put von wagner's head on the steps and then basically slammed it and slammed the other thing so they faded to black and then you can hear baron corbin yell i can't believe he actually did it and then when they were carting, when they were carting him out they carted him out of NXT and they put the like like he basically sliced the whole thing open, like of his head open and everything. So basically they put him on a gurney, they had blood and everything all over it, but they basically faded to black before it happened. And then somebody got a video of how Vaughn basically faked it. He basically turned over and then he just hits the head on the thing. Obviously it's you know, it's it's constructed. But yeah, just kind of the same thing, right? It's just like it seems like you're really faking this injury to really prove a point when you know, I think for us, like, when we kind of follow the, that art form, is somebody really injured, and it uh, kind of really makes you wonder. I mean, obviously the one in NXT is fake, but it's a good part. It's a good addition to slice my salami anyways. <laughs> now, gentlemen. Like an a. Yes, interject, please. Nothing?
2: I don't got anything.
0: Chris, do you have anything to interject with?
1: No. No. Not Just in that I think of it. I don't have any. I don't really have any clothing. Cl- clothing. Closing. Closing thoughts. I have some takeout wings that I have. So I'm pretty excited about that. But that's uh, other than that, probably going to be glued to the couch for the rest of the night.
0: That's good. Josh was asking when you were going to fix your door.
1: Oh yeah, I still have to. My handyman. He keeps telling me he's going to be here, but he, he's never come yet. But yeah, we're supposed to. We're we're supposed to get one hung for a couple months now, but he's busy.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, just to let everybody know, I'm on vacation. Um, I'll probably be back uh, in a couple days. Um, generally, I should be able to do the podcast next week, gentlemen. It should be great. But with that being said, wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. From everybody here at the Rub Wrestling Podcast, we all bid you adieu. Bang! Bang!